October 11th through October 17, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and I am very glad that you are with us here today on Main Menu. Whether you are a returning listener or you are a new listener, we're glad to have you along with us here on Main Menu. I and the Main Menu staff welcome you and hope that you enjoy today's program and get a lot of valuable information here. We have two main features today. The first is Neil Uris comes to us with a review of the Zoomix H6 portable handheld recorder. This is brand new, just released in September of this year, so it's brand new and it is a pretty neat recorder. If you're looking for a high quality recorder, this is one you're definitely going to want to know about. And then Tim Cummings comes to us with a review of the Blue Yeti USB microphone, and this is quite an interesting and quite a nice microphone. I think you'll want to hear about this. It's got some really kind of neat features you may be interested in if you're looking for a nice desktop USB microphone to add to your collection. Those are the two features we have for you today. We have just a few little technology items for you. Humanware has announced the shipping of their new Prodigy Low Vision product that they just recently came out with and it is shipping now officially. Zoom Text in the past week has released the latest version of Zoom Text 10. I believe it's Zoom Text 10.3 and so if you weren't aware of that and you're a current user of Zoom Text and you have a version 10 license, the upgrade is free and this upgrade does improve some of the access to Windows 8 over what it has been and you'll definitely want to grab that update if you don't have your software set for automatic upgrading you can go to the zoom text webpage and download that from there and then I wanted to also mention for those of you who are iPhone iPad and iTouch users If you have updated your device to iOS 7, Apple has just added some new free books that you may want at the iBookstore. They are iOS 7 iPhone User's Guide, the iOS 7 iPad User's Guide, and the iOS 7 iTouch User's Guide. All three are free. There are also some additional books there that uh, are free and are on iOS 7 and all the new features of iOS 7. And then there are some additional ones that they have also added that uh, have a small price to them, but most of them are $5 or less. So you may want to take a look at those. There's a pretty good list of them there. And the, the ones that I talked about first there, those books are each one several hundred pages so they have some very valuable information in them information you'll want to know they work very nicely very well with voiceover and so you might want to go out there and grab those and take a look at them and again as i say they are free so that makes it even better well we're going to go ahead and get into our 
program for this evening. You have a great week. We'll see you back here next week on Main Menu. Hi, I'm Chase Crispin, the executive producer of Main Menu. We are currently looking for listeners who are willing to review any type of accessible technology for us here on Main Menu. If you are interested in doing a review of a product that you own, or an interview with its vendor, then please contact us and let us know what you're interested in doing. Before you begin to record a segment, it is important to contact us so that we can ensure that it hasn't already been covered on our program. To get in contact with us, please send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org and let us know what demonstration or interview you would like to do. Once you have completed your recording, please again send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org and let us know how we might get the file from you and if it will need any further editing. We can get files from you in any method such as SendSpace or Dropbox, any way that works for you. Once we receive your file, we will let you know when it will be aired on Main Menu. Presentations from our listeners are always interesting and well received by the rest of the listeners, so if this interests you, please get in touch with us. Thank you for your interest, and we look forward to hearing from you on the show very soon. Hello, everybody. This is Neil Ewers in Madison, Wisconsin, and this podcast is on the Zoom H6 multi-track recorder, released September of 2013. It is today the 24th of September, so I haven't had it for all that long. Long enough, however, to marvel at its sound and its quality. It is quite a recorder, and I'll have a lot more to talk about in this podcast. I probably won't make it a long podcast. The menus are something probably better to write up than talk about. They can be a bit complicated, and there is no speech. But the functionality of this recorder is better than any handheld I've ever seen. I know, I said that about the LS100 of Olympus when I made that podcast, and it was true. But now the Zoom has made its presence known. And it is, now, my favorite handheld recorder. So let's describe this recorder. By the way, I'm now using Phantom Power to power my Rode NT1A microphone, which is one of the quietest microphones I have. This recorder is a six-channel recorder. It will record six channels at once. It also does overdubbing. It's a very different recorder from ones in the past in that the microphones that are internal to the recorder are really not internal. They're external, in that they snap on and off the recorder, on the top of the recorder. There are two different kinds of mics that come, an XY pair, which goes from 90 to 120 degrees, and an MS microphone setup with two microphones, a figure eight and a cardioid. So let me describe the recorder portion first without talking about the external microphones that sit on top, or if you want to call them internal, that's fine too. It is larger than most recorders, heavier than most recorders. It still fits in the hand, but just barely. Recorder dimensions, six inches, maybe a little tad over six inches. They don't say whether they are measuring the mics or not. 
I measure the body of the recorder, and it's a little under six. So I think six plus a little inches for a length, three inches wide, and 1.9 inches high. The full weight of the recorder, when you've got the heavier XY microphones on, is 15.9 ounces. Let's first talk about the face of the recorder. If you're holding the recorder so the face is pointing toward you, on the top you either have the microphones or the slots where the microphones go. These microphones are seen by the recorder as channels 1 and 2. We'll get to why in a minute. Below that, on the face of the recorder, you have four volume knobs in a sort of square. The volume at the top left is track 3, lower left is track 4, upper right is track 5, lower right is track 6. There's a protective sort of wraparound piece on the outside of each of these volume controls on the outside edge of the recorder, right and left, and that might keep you from hitting them. Uh, they are not easily turned. They're nice and tight. They do have gnarled edges, uh, so you can count clicks up from the top or down from the bottom, but they don't have a pointer that you can feel. So one would have to get used to doing clicks, etc. They're, they're not ganged in any way, and conversations with Zoom suggest that they think this would have been a good idea to do, but they didn't do it. Between the two columns of volume controls are mic line attenuation switches. Two of these switches are closer to the left side, volumes 3 and 4, and two are closer to the right side, volumes 5 and 6. Pushing them to the left, which is the default, is non-attenuated, and to the right is attenuated. Below those volume knobs, still on the face, are six buttons from left to right. And this is where you choose the microphones you want. The first two are the internal, or what I've called external, or into whatever you want to call them. Let's just refer to them as internal microphones. The first two are internal microphones. The next four buttons are for arming channels 3, 4, 5, and 6. Below that, on the left, is a series of four buttons, which if you owned the Zoom H4N, you'll be used to. They are square. They're easily heard when you press them. Top left is stop. Top right is play pause. And yes, this does have a pause, which the H4N did not. Underneath those two on the left is reverse, and on the right is forward. To the right of the play pause button, is a rectangular record button. It is surrounded by a little ridge that is higher than the button itself, so it's not easy to knock. And unlike the other buttons which have clicks when you press them, or at least you can hear the click, this is silent. You know it's pressed because it goes down quite a ways, but it's silent because if you are doing pre-record, which we'll talk about later, you don't want to hear the button being pressed, and it is in fact quite silent. All right, that take. oh, no, that doesn't take care of the front of the recorder because below all of that is the display. And it's slanted. It's slanted down. It is not flat, flush with the top. I would say the display is probably at a 45-degree angle or some angle that supposedly when you're mounting it on a camera is easier to see. 
But it's very small print, according to people I've had a look at it, and very hard to see, unless you can adjust that, and maybe you can. On the left-hand side of the recorder, there are two XLR quarter-inch inputs. These would be channels 3 and 4. Further down, below those, you have the card slot. And this recorder will take up to a 32GB SDHC card, or a 64GB SDXC card. I have never used one of those, but 64 gigabytes would be a lot of memory. Below the card slot door is the headphone output, and below that are the volumes for the headphone output. The one closest to the microphone end of the recorder is the up volume, and the one closest to the end of the recorder is the down volume. Going further down the left-hand side, you have the spring-loaded on-off lock button. As is typical of Olympus and Zoom, you slide it down, hold it for a second, release it, it's off. You slide it down, hold it, and release it for a second, it's back on. You press it up to lock all the keys. On the right-hand side of the recorder, you have the remaining two XLR quarter-inch jacks, and these would be for channels 5 and 6. All four of these jacks are really amazing. XLR, balanced, and quarter-inch balanced. Very, very nice. Below is the jog dial. It's a little different from the jog dial on the Zoom H4 in that it does not turn in a complete revolution. It is like a joystick. You push it down and it springs back up. You push it up and it springs back down. And that's one click. If you press it and have it slide back up, it's one click down or one click up. And you press in on it to enter. And below that is the menu button. And further down, just where the recorder begins to curve for the display, is the USB jack. On the end of the recorder, the end furthest away from the microphones, are two jacks. One, a line-out jack. Very nice. I don't know many other recorders that have that. You obviously have a headphone output, but this is a line output with nominal line-out specs, I'm guessing. And to the right of that is a jack for the remote, which doesn't come with it. It does come with an accessory pack, and it's a very nice remote. On the bottom of the recorder, toward the front where the microphones are, is the speaker. Below that is the threaded camera mount, and below that is the battery house. There is a thumb latch near the end, bottom end of the recorder that you put your finger under and snap up, and there are four AA batteries inside with a ribbon that you place underneath the batteries, because they are kind of hard to get out unless you do that. You pull on the ribbon and they begin to come out. And I think, unless I've totally forgotten something, that that takes care of the description of the recorder. Okay, let me try to describe the two microphone possibilities that come with this recorder. The XY mics are very much like the Zoom H4n, except they are larger. They are as large a microphone as I've seen on any other handheld recorder. And they sound really nice, as you have discovered and will discover again. 
The microphones on this recorder, by the way, I'm now using a different condenser microphone. This is the Audio-Technica 4021 microphone. The microphones on this recorder are pointed in toward each other, each at 45 degrees, making a combination of 90 or 120, depending on which way you twist them. They're actually overlapped, like they are on the Zoom H4n, in that one is above the other one. They don't exactly face each other. That way, they can overlap them, get them closer together, give you a much more likely good monaural recording, which is not as true if you've got them spaced apart like you do on the Olympus LS100, the Sony PCMD50, etc. Let me see if I can explain how these microphones change from 90 to 120 degrees. Let's say that each microphone is a screw, and you can turn it, which you can. So if you are facing the back of the recorder and the microphones are pointing forward, if you put your finger on either side of the circumference of the barrel-shaped microphones and rotate them out away from you, both at the same time, they will go for a while and then they will stop. If you rotate them back toward you, they will go for a while and then they will stop. So there are two positions, each of which are click-stopped, and you can't go any further. Rolling them further away from you is 90 degrees. Rolling them toward you is 120 degrees. They're very sturdy, very heavy. They are very nice microphones. By the way, one of the things I almost forgot to say is that the XY microphones, which is what I'm using now, has on the right-hand side of the part that actually holds it onto the recorder itself an eighth-inch mini jack for microphone in and line in. It is supplied with plug-in power if one needs it. The MS microphone is smaller. Both microphones are encased in a round metal ball with, obviously, openings, or otherwise you wouldn't be able to hear the microphones. And the cardioid microphone is pointing forward. The side microphone is split between left and right. It's smaller and lighter than the XY mics, and it is a bit noisier. But one can get some really nice stereo spreads with this thing. It's one of the better MS situations I've encountered. They really have done this well. Now, I'm not going to go through a lot of the menus, but I will say here that there's a menu option for the MS mics to have them either stereo or raw mode. In stereo, they just are what they are. They turn themselves into a stereo recording. In raw mode, you can actually adjust the angle of the spread by changing the relationship between the front mic and the sides. So, for example, if you power on the recorder, oh, and by the way, when you power on the recorder, the mics, if they're live, in that if you press the right switch, will be on. I haven't found a record standby, so that when you turn on the recorder, there's nothing. You press record once for standby, you press record again for record. These mics seem to be always on. And then when you press record, you only have to press it once. But when you are in that non-recorded microphones on stage, you can use the jog dial. Turning it up and either click-stopping it or holding it will turn the figure eight capsule down so that at the end of its run, 
you're actually only using the middle mic, so you're in mono. Holding the jog dial down, or click stopping it down, gives you more and more and more and more side because you're increasing the volume of the figure eight microphone, which is basically what they use for left and right. All the way at the bottom of the click stops, where it won't go any further, is what's actually known as raw mode. And that is that the recorder will record one channel with the cardioid mic and the other channel with the figure eight mic or side mics. There is a way on the recorder to combine these. I don't even want to go there because I'm sure it's not all that easily done, but it would be interesting to see if it is. I happen to use SoundForge, which has a way to decode the signal and turn it into a stereo file. And you can simply raise or lower the volume of the right channel, which is the figure eight capsule, and therefore determine how much stereo spread you have. So it's a very unique way, similar to what was on the H2N, although these are better mics, to really adjust the stereo spread. They snap on to the front of the recorder. They have little push buttons on either side of the capsule that you can press in on to unlock when you get them on. Once you get the hang of where they go, and by the way, they have little rubber ends on them that you have to take off in order to connect them and keep the ends because you might want to put them back on when they're not in use. But you simply slide the mic onto the front of the recorder, and there it is. And then you have to, when you turn the recorder on, press the first button of the six that are right below the volume controls because once you unplug the mics, that mic gets turned off. And to make sure you turn it on, you have to press the button for left-right internal microphones. To take them off, you simply squeeze in the buttons on the side, pull, and they come off. And you can actually hot-swap them. Of course, when you unplug them, the recorder stops if it's being recorded, obviously, but it doesn't hurt anything to do that. One could be sitting listening to monitoring the headphones without recording, pull it off, put the other one on, and there you go. And again, you have to make sure the right microphone button is pressed because since it's been unplugged, it now thinks it's off, which it is. All right, before my throat totally wears out because I've had a cold, let's go play with the internal microphones and see what kind of sounds we get. First, I want to play a recording which I recorded yesterday and compare three recorders, the Zoom H4n, the Zoom H6, and the Olympus LS100. How do the mics sound different? Which ones are better sounding? Which ones are noisier, etc.? Let us see. First, the Zoom H4n, then the H6, and then the LS100. This is the Zoom H4n recorder. In a very echoey room, I'm standing at the kitchen counter. The recorder is on the other side on a stand. I want to be far enough away from this recorder so that you do hear a lot of background noise, i.e. microphone noise. You also hear my dehumidifier downstairs with a low bass rumble. But I want to compare this with other recorders. This is the Zoom H4n, and now let's switch to the Zoom H6.
and this is the Zoom H6. Same room, same place, and the question is, what's the difference? Do the microphones sound different? Are they quieter? I sure as heck hope so, because the H4N's mics were quite noisy. So I hope I left enough space between the two that you could hear the difference. This is the H6 of Zoom. And now let's go to the Olympus LS100. And this is the Olympus LS100. And this is the third recorder I'm testing. And it will be interesting to see what differences we hear among the three of them. We've done the Zoom H4, the Zoom H6, and now the Olympus LS100, and this ends this test. And now a test of two of the three recorders you just heard being close-miked rather than at a distance. This is a test of two different recorders, the Olympus LS100 and the Zoom H6. The trouble is I'm not going to tell you which is which, and I'm curious to see if you will hear a difference and decide which you like best. So this is one of the recorders, and I'm about uh, four inches from the microphones. I am using the same windscreen I'm going to use with the other mics, or with the other recorder. And now let's switch to the other recorder and see what the difference is. And this is the other recorder. Same distance from the microphones, same windscreen. Both are recorded on 44.1 24-bit, so they should sound similar in that regard. But the question is, is there any difference you can hear between them, and is there one that you like better than the other one? And if so, why? I'm about four inches from these microphones, just as I was on the other recorder. This is the second recorder, and this ends this test. Now let's play with the MS microphones. I'm sitting on my front porch yesterday recording, and the UPS truck goes by. And I get a lot of deliveries, and the guy knows me, so he honks as he goes by. Listen to the spread of these microphones. It's really quite amazing. And now some more condenser microphone tests. This is a test of the Rode NT1A microphone. First on the Olympus LS100 recorder, and then on the Zoom H6. Actually, I don't remember which is first, because I made it yesterday and my mind has drawn a blank. But it will surely tell us, and if it doesn't, I guess we'll discover if you know. By the way, I'm using the MS microphones sitting on my front porch, and I certainly can't remember which comes first. The LS100 has been, up to this point, as good as I can find, other than my sound devices recorder, which is better. Of course, it costs four times more, too.
The question is, how does the Zoom H6 make out? We're about to find out, and we might even find out which comes first. This is the Rode NT1A microphone being recorded on the Zoom H6 recorder, trying to see how this compares with the Olympus LS100, which I'm going to switch to now. This is the Zoom H6, and now to the Olympus LS100. And this is the Olympus LS100 recorder, having just heard the Zoom H6. Now this is the Olympus recorder. You can hear the hum of my battery backups. And that'll be kind of nice because we can sort of use that to adjust volume and make sure that is the same. Because I don't always know if I'm talking louder in one take than in the other. Anyway, this is the Olympus LS100. And now back to the Zoom H6. And now I am back on the Zoom H6. This is a test between the Olympus LS100 and the Zoom H6, going back and forth from one to the other with the quietest microphone I have in the house, the Rode NT1A. This is the Zoom, and this is the end of this test. This is the Electrovoice 635 microphone, an omnidirectional microphone. I've had this thing since about 19, let's see, 1974 or 5. It is, as I said, omnidirectional. I'm about half an inch from this microphone. And let's see what it sounds like. These are the Sound Professionals BMC 3 microphones. I'm recording on a pretty low level because I'm about to get the vacuum cleaner out and vacuum the floor. And no, I won't take you through the whole cycle of vacuuming the floor. But it occurred to me that since there's nothing going on outside worth recording, it's totally quiet out there, that I could at least replicate a little stereo separation by running the vacuum cleaner. So first, I unwind some cord. Don't need a lot because I'm just going to do this test. Ultimately, later in the day, I'll vacuum the floor, but not at the moment. So I will plug this in, trying not to get my finger in the plug. All right, and I have no clue. I've just started playing with these mics, how much volume I need. I think I'm maybe a little less than halfway up on this volume control, and let's see what happens. Okay, here's today's quiz, friends. What kind of vacuum cleaner is it? 
The winner will receive a whole host of prizes yet to be announced on this podcast, but prizes I'm sure one would like. Here's your chance to win a Neil Prize. And this is the Audio-Technica AT822 microphone, a microphone which has long been sought after because it's no longer sold, one which I wish were a little quieter because I really like it. Of course, I now have lots of microphones in other recorders, but for a while I used this pretty exclusively because of its 110-degree spread. I'm going into the mini jack on the XY capsule. Now what I'm going to do is find the cord that has the two quarter-inch plugs on it, go into the XLR quarter-inch inputs, try to get the volume the same, and see if there's any noise difference or quality difference. Let's see what happens. And that is what I've done. This is the same microphone, but going into the quarter-inch jacks on the XLR quarter-inch combination jacks on the recorder. So there you have it. All right, this is the Audio-Technica ATH-22. And let's see if I can find any more microphones to play with. Otherwise, I'll end this podcast and do some more microphones later. Oh, one thing I can do is compare these microphones to the internals. I am now using the AT822, and now I'll switch to the internal mics. And that's what I've done. I've actually managed to slip the windscreen that was on the Audio-Technica on over these mics. It's not a very good fit, but at least now it's a constant windscreen used with both microphones. So the question is, what's the difference? Now I'm standing in the kitchen. You hear the refrigerator in the background. I'm not using a windscreen because I wanted to give you again a sense of what these mics sound like without one. The windscreens I've been using do cut down the sibilance, but I think I'm going to have to go back to one to do the rest of this podcast because these microphones without windscreens are cardioid and therefore subject to wind. And I can certainly get closer to the microphones if I were using a windscreen. So put on windscreen and let's talk about some of the pros and cons of this recorder. And that is what I've done. I've put a windscreen on. But at the moment, I'm the same distance from these mics I was originally. So you can tell as I weave it back and forth what difference the Sony windscreen makes. All right, pros and cons. The noise floor of this recorder is amazing. I haven't even figured out how to measure it yet. But I hear so little of it on 24-bit, even on 16-bit. It's incredible. So that's a very big pro. Another pro is that, I just pressed the pause button, but notice it picked up what I was saying before I pressed the pause button. Like the record button, the pause button pre-records. So if you're in pause and you hear something and you think, oh my gosh, I missed that, all you have to do is press the pause button. These mics are quieter than any mics I have on any portable recorder. They are, as you have discovered, quieter than the LS100, certainly quieter than the Zoom H4n. They're just really very nice and quiet. If you use the attenuation switch 
and plug a quarter inch plug into right and left channel because they're XLR quarter inch combos and do line in recording. It is amazingly quiet. It is balanced. Here is a recording made from my Tyros 4 keyboard and listen between the songs at the floor noise. Now there will be some because the keyboard output has some but it is amazingly clean and amazingly quiet. And of course I like the ability of changing microphone capsules depending on what you want to record. It's either MS or XY and that's a really great option. I don't know if you pull the mic capsules off and on a lot whether at some point they're going to be weakened. I don't know. They fit on very snugly though so hopefully that's not going to be an issue. The windscreen that comes with the accessory pack is phenomenal. It does lose you a bit of sibilance, but it is very furry, very thick, and really easy to get on because it has a wide opening with a drawstring around it so you can pull it tight once you get it on. And it really does cut down the wind noise. The number of low cut frequencies you have on all six mic channels, which you can set individually, is phenomenal. It starts on the off position, 80, 105, 115, 133, 150, 168, 185, 203, 220, 237, and back to off. And as I said, you can adjust them on each of the channels individually. Well, a slight correction. Channels 1 and 2 of the internal microphones cannot be adjusted individually. There will be some other capsules released one of which is a shotgun microphone, the other of which adds two other XLR microphone inputs. And I think they will take the place of the internal mics, and yes, then they might be adjusted separately, I'm not sure. Another positive is that you can set marks with this recorder, and those marks are read not only by the recorder, but by SoundForge, Studio Recorder, etc. And you can do it in one of two ways. Each time you press pause, it puts a mark in the file, but you might not always want to stop when you place a mark, 
So the other way is to press in on the jog dial, which is on the side, and that creates a mark. So there you go. All right, what about things that might be a little more difficult with this recorder? Well, first of all, obviously, we've gotten used to speaking menus, and these don't talk. They don't say a thing. What I was hoping was that if you put headphones on and pressed the menu key and went to low cut, you could actually hear it. But once you press the menu key, the microphones are off. And unless there's a workaround on this that I haven't discovered, that's what you get. So the menus wrap, as is normal. One of the really interesting things you have to deal with is the six buttons that control which mics are on, because they're all toggles. Now, they're interesting toggles. Let's talk about the four XLR quarter-inch inputs for a minute. There are various ways of syncing them together. They're numbered 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. 1, 2 at this point are the internal mics. 3, 4, 5, and 6 are the XLR quarter-inch mics. If you hold down 3, and while holding it down, press 4, nothing happens, you think. But what you've done is arm them, so that now, if you push either 3 or 4, both of the mics come on. And they come on, 3 in the left channel and 4 in the right channel. However, if you hold down button 4, and while holding it down, press button 3, again, nothing happens. But they've armed. If you press button 3, mic 3 is on in the middle, pan to the center. If you press 4, mic 4 is on, pan to the center. So you can control whether they're left, right, or center. You can't pan them by moving them from one to the other while you're recording, but you can set them either as pairs on right and left or single as middle of the stereo spread. The problem with this is that they're toggles. If I press mic button one, one and two come on because that's the internal mics and if you've got them plugged in, that's what comes on. If I turn the recorder off and turn it on back again, Mic 1 is still pressed, but if I hit it while I'm in monitor, not recording, if you're recording, nothing happens if you hit it, but if you hit it while you're monitoring without recording, it toggles off. Now, if you have headphones on, you know that. If you don't, it's a problem. The other problem is it creates a separate file for each pair of mics. Let's say you turn them all on by accident, but you're only really using the internal mics you end up with three files. The volumes of the XLR quarter-inch inputs might be all the way down, so you get no sound and there's no mics connected to them. But it's files you don't need. So turning those off, if you're only using the internal mics, would be the way to go. But how do you know? Unless you're monitoring through headphones, which most people will be, but if you're just sort of out and around and you don't have headphones on, this could be a problem. Hand-holding, oops, I just hit the button, but fortunately I'm recording. Hand-holding is something of an issue. You have to hold it pretty still, which is doable. And there's obviously the thread that you can stand mounted. But it is, it is, well, it's not the worst in the world, but it, there is some hand-holding noise there. I haven't figured out how to delete a file from the recorder yet, but that's really not all that important because you can delete them from the computer without the recorder complaining. You can connect the USB cable, delete a file, 
and the recorder keeps going just like it's deleted the file itself. Now, there is one other thing about how these files are organized. They're in 10 folders, but within each folder are other folders. Each time you create a file or make a recording, it's in a folder because it's a whole project. And in that folder, there are the files according to the mics you have on. Another problem is that when you press the pause key, it's a toggle. The next time you press it, it starts recording again, but you have to remember what you've done. I was wishing this there was something like the eddy roll, which you press pause, but then you could press record, and the recorder would start recording, so that you press one key to pause it, like the pause, and record to start it, but that's not how this works. It's simply a toggle. In my various playing around with things, I've discovered a problem in the firmware of this recorder, one I think you should know about. If you have the recorder set to pre-record so that it records three seconds prior to your pressing the record button, an interesting and not so very nice thing happens when you press the pause button. As I said before, the pause button when pressed also is in pre-record so that if you hear something in pause that you want to start recording, you can press the pause button and realize that if you pressed it in the first three seconds after the recording started that you're not going to miss anything. However, if you're speaking and you press the pause button too quickly after you finish speaking, it cuts off what you have previously said. I'm going to count to 10. And on the count of 10, I'm going to press the pause button. But listen to what happens. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you can see, now I've just pressed it again, that it cuts off some of the previous numbers, although it does do a good job of pre-recording because it obviously took out of the buffer things that I said before I pressed the pause button to start recording again. That is not good. Well, as a matter of fact, when I turn off pre-record, all works well. It only starts recording when you press the button. The pause control does not cut off anything previous to what you've said. So it works as it should. It's only when it's in pre-record that it has the problem. It's a day later and I have talked with Zoom about the problem I found and they have confirmed it. It is, according to them, a firmware problem. I don't know if they'll update this anytime soon, but at least now we know and they know. Alright, the final chapter of this podcast is at hand, and it is this. The recorder itself is out on my front porch. I'm in my studio on channel 3, making a three-track recording. So how about that? It does work. Of course I knew it would. And this will end this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If there are things that you don't know or things that you want to ask, please do. You can reach me at neil.ewers, E-W-E-R-S, at ravenswood, R-A-V-E-N-S-W-O-O-D, dot org. As I said, I won't be walking through the menus. I do have a partially complete menu shortcut page. 
which is basically a page on how to get to certain things, like format, for example. And don't take this as real, because it may not be the right steps. I'm just using it as an example. I might say something like, to format a card, press menu, arrow up three times, press enter, arrow down once, press enter, etc. So I'm not telling you what you're going by. It's just how many movements one needs to get there. So that I can send you if you'd like it. This concludes this podcast. This is Neil Ewers in Madison, Wisconsin, saying I hope you've enjoyed it, and thanks for listening. Hi there, Main Menu listeners. This is Tim Cummings, and today I'm going to demonstrate another microphone for you. This is the Blue Yeti USB microphone. This microphone's actually been out for quite a while, and I just came into possession of one uh, very recently. A friend of mine had an extra one that she wasn't using, and she gave it to me, which is very nice of her. And so I thought I would demo it today on Main Menu. This microphone is rather unique in a couple of ways. First of all, it comes packed with its own stand, which is quite hefty, uh, quite heavy, but you can unscrew the mic. It's got, it's got a screw on either side to hold it into the stand, and you can unscrew it from the stand, and if you want, if you have a traditional mic boom, you can screw it into that. There's a little thread in the bottom which fits a traditional mic stand, You can so you can hook it up if, if you've got an, a regular boom or if you want to leave it in its desk stand, you can you can use it that way. I would say it's a large diaphragm condenser microphone. It is a condenser microphone. It is USB, and it does have some very unique features. Let me tell you what it looks like. First of all, it's uh, if you look at the front of the microphone, on the very front of the mic, you'll find a little logo, which is the, I think is the blue logo. It's a little round logo. Below that is a push button, which is a mute switch. And below that is a headphone volume control, which has a nice little line that you can feel, tactile line that you can feel. So when you turn it up and down, you can see where it is set. On the bottom of the microphone, if you look at the bottom, uh, on the right-hand side, you will find a eighth-inch jack, which is for your headphones to plug in. And then to the left of that, on the other side of the microphone, you will find a USB, a small USB port where you plug in the USB cable to hook the microphone up to your computer. Um, then on the back of the microphone, you have two knobs. The, the topmost knob is your volume control for the microphone volume. And then the knob below that is the pattern knob, which it, which changes the polar pattern of the microphone, which I'm going to demonstrate uh, in a minute. Now, I mentioned this microphone does have a, a headphone jack on the bottom, and it's very nice because since you are using it as USB, you can actually monitor yourself while you're recording. You can not, act, not only actually monitor yourself, but you can actually route the output of your sound card through the microphone. So you can actually uh, not only hear yourself back, but you can you can listen back to what else you're, whatever else you're 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 listening to music or whatever. I have this microphone actually mounted. I took it out of the desk stand that it comes in and I have it mounted on a a regular microphone uh a microphone boom um so that I can move it up and down. And the thing about this mic is you do not talk into the top of this microphone. You actually speak into the 
side of the mic. You speak into the into the front of the microphone, where the right above where the little logo is. When you set up this mic initially, they recommend that you set your microphone uh, recording volume at about 80%. I set mine at about 60%, just because 80% was a little bit too hot. And I have the volume on the uh, for the microphone to turn the gain up and down. I have that volume turned all the way to the right, all the way down. So now what I would like to do is just go through some the different patterns, the different polar patterns of the mic to let you hear what they sound like. So right now, I've got the the polar pattern uh, knob turned all the way to the right. And this is the stereo recording pattern for the microphone. And it probably doesn't sound like stereo right now because I'm right in front of the microphone. But if I move off to the right here, you'll hear that my voice moves off to the right. I'm on, if you're listening with headphones, I'm on the, I'm com should be coming out of your right speaker. And if I move now, I'm off, moving off to the left. And so I should be now coming out of the left speaker. And now I'm, of course, back in front of the microphone again. So if you're recording a band or something like that or anything in stereo, this works um, pretty well. Let me now, I'm going to now turn the pattern switch, which is on the back of the microphone, the knob near the bottom. I'm going to turn that one click to the left. Okay, now I turn that one click to the left. And as you can hear, the whole um, sound of the mic has opened up a little bit. This is the omnidirectional pattern and uh, omnidirectional means that this records this microphone records around in all directions so it doesn't matter where you place the microphone so if you're in a in a in a room and you want to record a bunch of people say sitting around a table you would use this pattern for recording as you can tell it you can you can hear a lot more of the sound of my room now you can hear kind of how big the room is and so on and so forth it gives it gives a lot more open sound I'm now going to turn the knob another click to the left. And now we are in the cardioid. This is the cardioid pattern. And cardioid means that it picks up best what's in front of the microphone and rejects sounds off to the back and the side. And this uh, this is good for podcasting because it if, you've, if you're in a noisy environment, this will reduce some of the noise. Now, this microphone is quite sensitive so you're going to have to you know make adjustments if you're in a if you're not in a soundproof studio it will pick up a lot of noise in the background but the this cardioid pattern will help a little bit with that and there's one more pattern here which i'm going to now demonstrate let me turn this um, pattern selection knob one more turn to the left now this is the figure eight pattern and this is unique because this rejects everything off to the side and picks up what's in the front and in the back. And I'll demonstrate that. I've now, I'm now speaking into the front of the microphone and I'm going to I go around to the back of the mic and speak into the back of the microphone. So now I'm actually speaking into the back of the microphone and as you can tell, it sounds a little bit like it did when I was speaking into the front of the microphone. Let me turn the microphone back around again. So now I'm, I'm back speaking into the front of the mic now, where you would use this pattern, let's say you were interviewing somebody and they were sitting across the table from you. So you could be speaking into the front of the mic and they could be speaking into the back of the mic. Now, this pattern is a little bit bassier, um, a little bit bassier than I would like. Let me go back to the cardioid pattern. 
Okay, so now I'm back on the cardioid pattern of the microphone. And like I said, this is the one that you would use for podcasting and so forth. This mic, you can you can purchase it from Amazon.com. Uh, it costs um, a little over $100. It is a uh, nice microphone because of the fact that you do have the different patterns, polar patterns. Um, and I am using a windscreen on this mic. It does not come with a windscreen, but I did purchase one. Rode makes a windscreen for large diaphragm microphones that does fit this uh, microphone, and uh, it works out pretty well. So this is, the again, a review of the Blue Yeti USB microphone. It works on, I'm running it on Windows XP. It also w runs on Windows 7, and I assume it would also run on Windows 8 computers as well. For main menu, this is Tim Cummings. Main menu. If you're interested in providing feedback about Main Menu, chatting with all of the members of the Main Menu staff, and be able to communicate with a large number of Main Menu's listeners, you might wish to subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list. To subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list, you can send an email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can also participate in conversation about Main Menu on Twitter by following at Main Menu or visiting our Twitter page at www.twitter.com slash Main Menu. you again for being with us today on main menu we always appreciate having you here we hope you've enjoyed the show and we'll see you back again here next week on main menu